The Daily Talk Show, episode 562. Belinda Wall, welcome back. Thanks, guys. Um, need an update because uh, you were in the crowd at F500. I was. Such a great night. I'm so glad. And I was a winner, winner, chicken I'm dinner. I'm so glad you won the, the pour over. Sorry, winner, winner, Nando's chicken <laughs> dinner. <laughs> yeah, very good. There was Nando's there. Yeah. Um, how is it? The the pour over? It's called an AeroPress. AeroPress. Is, right. it a, is it a pour nah, over? No, nah, it's different. I, it, it's an AeroPress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Looks like a big syringe. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest. Okay. Right. Firstly, I was thrilled because I've never, I've never won something mm-hmm. like that. That was amazing. Secondly, my my partner Jordan was sitting next to me. He also won. Did he? Oh, perfect. Okay. Ah. So he came home with a fifty dollar Nando's oh, voucher. Yeah, great, amazing. Um, not sure if he's used it yet. But yeah. Anyway, have to quiz that one. It's definitely but a time I, of year, by the way, where vouchers. So. Bree and I house sat for oh, someone. They yeah. gave us a two hundred dollar chin chin voucher. Yeah. Which we have to use this yes. year. We used one on Friday. Mm. We went to Marion. We had one from Christmas last year. You've got to get into it. Uh-huh, but the yeah. other interesting thing on this point, very quickly, is oh, new consumer laws. They've changed the legislation. Yeah. They have. Mm. So, what, you get so you can three push years. back. So if it's after, I think, November 1st, if you got your voucher after November 1st, retail shops and restaurants and things, unless they're like there's a couple of caveats around um, mm. if it's super discounted or things like that, mm. they have to give you three years even if the expiry date has before that. Yeah. So that's exciting. Good to know, everyone, mm. this time of year. Especially ad, if you Don't hate admin. Don't panic. <laughs> you got to get- yeah. yeah, well, I bought my brother a, um, a double pass to the movies, uh, Gold Class, never used it, and that was too long ago. So I'm kind of over buying people anything to do with it. <laughs> anything at all. I could actually see <laughs> just buying I, I could see a um an app or a business model in mm. here whereby, you know, you get a voucher, you scan your, scan your voucher, and then it, Automatically gives you calendar reminders. Oh, that's a good idea. Or oh, maybe you could even do swapsies. So there, even there with is that, a bunch. Oh, yes. If it is, yeah. How about this? There is actually a bunch of these apps. Okay, oh, a bunch of these thanks. businesses. <laughs> we thought we were no, because it was like I think it, yeah, it's exactly. I want to sell it off. If I got a hundred dollars, I'll sell it. It's like, like someone's got fifty bucks for this, and they get a hundred dollars of value. Really great. Yeah. It makes sense. And so hard. the the AeroPress. Okay, so I uh, it was a warm night. I remember we're driving home. Mm. Great, great event. Fabulous celebrations. I'm worried um, where this is going, to be honest. Yeah, I know. And we were driving home. It's quite a big box, the AeroPress mm-hmm. was. And so the conversation was, okay, firstly, we live in a townhouse, just my partner and I, and there's not much room. Okay, there's not I much mean, room to I buy think you're more stuff. Stating okay. how big the fucking AeroPress <laughs> is. It's big, a, no, are you in a miniature house? <laughs> no. How small is your? Are you in the Petroy oh, Gardens? Okay, I'm revealing my Type isms here. <laughs> Um, however, we both like coffee. Sure. Um, You've re-gifted we already it, have, you? we have not. Okay. We, we have a pod machine. We have a percolator. Mm-hmm. We have, um. That's why you've got no room. You've got one of these, yeah. Coffee. We've got a, um, one of those beautiful thermos ones that you can brew coffee and sit it in for a long time. It's mm. like, anyway. Mm-hmm. And then we've got this other bubble, um, Percolator thing. How to describe it? It looks like a drip coffee. Is that for drip coffee? Is it like of, yeah. the US yeah. style, like go to a diner type of thing? It's close to that. Looks like one of those hourglass timers. Mm-hmm. What brand is it? Big... Like a Breville or something? Or you don't know? No, definitely okay. not. Breville was given as a okay. gift. Okay, so. okay, sure. Anyway, so we've got quite a lot of coffee apparatuses. Mm-hmm. So what are we going to do with this AeroPress? When is it going get, to get used? Camping. I think I mentioned that. Like you it's did. A perfect... You did. Mm. Um, anyway, we decided this would be great for the beach house. Oh, How highbrow does that sound? <laughs> 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 I said camping. And I'm, I'll put the um, over summer as yeah. in because 
it's a coffee moment thing. It's like, okay, it's yeah. going to take a little bit longer. Yeah. Of course, yeah. So, and not just for us because it's not our beach house, let's be honest, it's a family <laughs> beach house. Um, so it's it's going to the beach this okay. summer and it's going to be used for when people want to take a good hour to make their coffee, yeah. sit there, read the paper. So I'll do an Insta story, guys. Yeah, oh, yeah great. At that great. moment yeah, at the great. beach house. <laughs> That's you the 79, long answer. We appreciate it. That's the long answer. I'm glad I didn't get re-gifted. But the definitely did not get Regifted. We did discuss it. Um, <laughs> no, we didn't at all. Uh, the beautiful gold straws have mm. not been used yet. No slip. I think I'm. Maybe give it to your niece. Oh, I'd be, okay. I'd be okay if you regifted the gold straw because I think it's spreading no, I don't the message. Want to, but I d- that's it's something that I'm like they they look great. Yeah, uh, and, and it has a little straw mm. cleaner. I think there's about three different kind of straws in there. Yeah. The kids love them. Like it is a it's a trendy thing to have. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'll tell you just quickly, um, when I was working at a radio station, I got- um, Would you guys have used your straws? No, no, this is Melbourne. Would, 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 we have used would you have used a straw yet? A gold straw? Like, is it a bad effort that I haven't used the straw? I would find a reason, yeah. I think I'd probably <laughs> turn my coffee, like I'd probably put in my coffee cup. But the other thing too is- We have tried the AeroPress. Okay. No, we have no, tried no, it. No, I'm just no. letting you know. Okay. Uh, no, I, I think I saw you did a uh, Insta story on that. I did. Which I appreciate. It was no, great. But- um, the problem, I think, with a straw, which my mum's a dental nurse and she gets really into these nuances like uh, yeah. when lemon water was yes. the big thing, Miranda Kerr was doing that. She's like, the oh. acidity in your teeth. Apple the- cider vinegar. Yeah, yeah. All these things are yep. rotting your teeth. I have a feeling metal straws, ding a ding a ding a ding you're actually going to mm. potentially, can you look that up, 97? But then again, wouldn't she be happy that you're not putting the caffeine on your teeth? Mm, I reckon I reckon should say... Uh, traditional plastic. Lynn's definitely drink from a cup. Yeah, drink from a drink cup. From a cup. So anything on there, 97, about teeth and metal straws? I mean, just people hurting themselves. Injuries. You could imagine. I mean, people probably choked Kids on. Kids in the car? Yeah. Oh. Stop running, running, yeah. running, running with a straw. Like Bodhi runs with a spoon in his mouth. I have to constantly tell him. You're not going to give Bodhi a, a gold-plated no, straw, no, are you? No. Well, he's not worth it. <laughs> I don't think it's gold plated. I think it's just gold in colour. Anything yeah, on there, ninety seven? Yeah. I mean, there's an anecdote from a bloke on Twitter who said he, chip, he chipped his tooth Ooh. from using a metal straw. About a third of his front tooth. Ooh. Oh, that's yeah, that's expensive. <laughs> oh, I'm not prepared to take the risk. Um, no, I got given a, a expensive coffee machine at the radio station. The host of the mm. show didn't want it. I was like, "Who wants this?" And I just put yeah. my hand up. Got it. It's amazing. It was three hundred plus dollars. I took it to um, Christmas, and we were doing Bad Santa. This was a few years back. How fun! And I put it in, and so everyone's fighting to get this thing. Well, it was only a forty-five dollar limit or something, wasn't it? What else and was so, on yeah. the Bad Santa? Oh, I can't. I mean, you get like classic scratchies or like um, yeah, okay. uh, tickets, um, tats, tats lotto tickets. So it's like imagine if you cool. actually yep. won a million bucks yep. from Bad Santa. Yep. So I like the tats lotto tickets. I don't want the other shit. But there's a lot of crap because it ends up being. $40 limit, 45 buck limit. I was having this conversation with my um, sisters the other day. Is it, There's nothing worse than those moments where you're walking through a shopping centre around Christmas time and you have that feeling of, oh, my God, the clock's ticking. I don't know what to get. I've just got to get mm. something. Yeah. That's awful feeling. Mm-hmm. It's just that it's just gross. And you look around and you see everyone else just mindlessly going, that'll do, that'll do. Oh, I no. do that on Amazon. Like, just I do it all online. But it's very much like, uh, yeah, thinking about okay, what is it's a, it's a it's semi panic. Mm. Um, Got to get it. Forty dollar limit. That'll do. Uh, and you know what? If I don't get it right, they can take it back. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, you, I mean, you're across branding, and um, I, I want to get your thoughts on this. Chemist Warehouse oh. recently did a, like a thirty um, percent off frenzy for Xmas, yep. and they got like picture shitty plastic black pa- plastic bags, mm. and they've put them up on um, and used tape oh, and written. Gaffer. It was like gaffer and it just looked so shit. It looked like it was going into liquidation. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. I was thinking, I thought, like, oh, my God. Is that God. a tactic? And I thought, is it a tactic? Because it makes you think sales, sales, sales. There's just crap. There's like, we need to get this sale going. Come in, wow. guys. We're going to run out of stock. But I was thinking, do you think it's a play around, yeah, make it look shit on purpose to sort of the old school sale, like you're closing right. down that style? Oh, my goodness. What do you reckon? It actually, it wouldn't surprise me. Mm. I would say that they have quite loose guidelines <laughs> around their approach to discounting mm. and pushing through stock. Because I was in Chemist Warehouse the other day and I did see, I mean, the volume of stock that they've got mm. carrying at any one moment in time is massive. And they They're also love, they love, a, um, they love the tags. Mm. Oh, yeah. So everything looks like it's on sale. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. The the garbage bag thing's pretty extreme. Yeah, yeah they've taken it to the next level. JB Hi-Fi does it. It feels like it appeals to the gronk because mm. if you think about like it's it's like EB Games. 97, I feel like you would have used EB Games back in the day. Yeah, I loved EB Games. Just what was one of the things about EB Games that you'd always notice? Uh, all, the, all the stickers. They've got they've got all like the, the sort <laughs> of like a let me triangle shaped sort of stickers and they uh-huh. stick them up at the front of the entrance when you walk in and it's like, you know, 20% off PS3 games or something mm. like that. Mm. It's great. JB is big for it as well. Like there's all the... Done it again. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Sales <laughs> frenzy. Like, yeah, you're right. Like plastering it everywhere mm. makes you, it builds like, oh, I need to get a bit of yeah, that. Yeah, that, that urgency. I think um, what I have noticed is that, you know, you don't even have to be around Boxing Day time the pre-Christmas discounts and the offers and the sales, the volume of discounting and specials and sales that hit your inbox mm. daily mm. through every day of December is is extreme. You almost feel, and I actually, and I have a birthday in December as well. So then you get all the whole, oh. you know, 10% off, $20 voucher, you got to use this before. And then I got, I get to a state where I'm like, am I missing out on opportunities here? <laughs> yeah. You know, it really screws with your yeah. biopsychology. Yeah. Um, and it really does push, push, push. But I feel like back in the day there used to be this whole anticipation around Boxing Day. Mm. Retailers and brands are just discounting all over the shop now. I feel like the entire Christmas shopping period is just discounted. It sort of starts yeah, at Black Friday yeah. and just sort of yeah. got like Black Friday is now an entire week. Well, what, like, and also what was the difference between Black Friday and Cyber Monday? Mm. Yeah, well, there was it. Like it, um, we were talking to our uh, mate uh, Rob from Quadlock and they do – they do these um, phone cases and the amount of selling they do around yeah. that time. But they, they're so strategic around it where it's like it starts, I think, even before mm. the Friday mm. and they're sending, they have a huge, they have a slightly high unsubscribe rate, mm. but they're doing like, they'll do four emails mm. in that time and they actually still get on the Monday evening at the final time people can get it people are still oh, buying urgent. product yeah yeah it's huge when you're working at two times you yes um Especially in, 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 yeah in a meeting where yep. you're with the marketing team you, i mean you were the marketing yeah. person but with the the wider team yeah are you actually thinking ahead 
100%. and going, how can we not manipulate, but like, what are the tactics here oh, to absolutely. convert to sales? It's interesting because when I was uh, in that role, um, our head of e-coms, so this was, um, you know, five, five years ago, five, six years ago, our head of, or, you know, five to five to seven years ago when I was actually in amongst it, um, our head of e-coms had actually come, or he's a Californian, so he'd come from the States um, and he was instrumental in kind of pushing for Black Friday discounts and Cyber Monday and so forth. And then at that point in time, it was very new in Australia. Everyone's like, what are you, what are you talking about, this Black Friday thing? Firstly, we weren't a discounting brand. Mm. So we always had to push, like put together a, a very strong case for discounting and it was was very limited, but you do have to forward plan. So you sit down. It's not just a decision based on marketing. So you sit down with your planners and your forecasters and you look at, okay, what stock levels do we have? What stock do we need to push through and get rid of in time, you know, ahead of summer? Um, so it's it's very much a roundtable conversation between marketing, um, e-coms, planning, um, you know, ahead of sales, et cetera. So is it's a highly strategic decision mm. and you generally have to plan, you know, months out. Going from a business that doesn't discount to one that does, I mean, that seems like a big decision, big move. Yeah. From a brand uh, side especially. Brand side, 100%. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we rarely did. Mm. So we always erred towards things like gift with purchase or um, more like, setting up competition style incentives, um, more value add mm. as a part of the strategy as opposed to, you know, discounting. It was very rare. Yeah. We'd probably discount maybe once or twice a year. Is there any brand that doesn't discount these days? I think like, oh, um, yeah. yeah, like premium like, brands definitely. You wouldn't get like a Tiffany's mm-hmm. discounting, like come in 25% off I mean, diamonds. I met a bloke on the street. I bought my wife's <laughs> ring and it was Tiffany's. It was discounting. <laughs> Joking. No, but there's de- like even Hey Tiger, Brie works as the marketing director there and there's they're big on, it's the gift with purchase stuff. Or bundles exactly. or, you know, for Christmas <clears throat> mm-hmm. you could, um, exactly. So you're incentivising certain packages or bundles and there's a way of doing it that's not um, discount focused. Is it a brand play for premium? Is that what, uh, do premium brands don't discount? Is that yeah? Is that what you think? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the strategy. You don't want to cheapen cheapen the value of the product that you're trying to push. So it is a, um, yeah, I mean, you don't, you're not, you're not competing on price. Mm. That's the whole idea of a premium mm. brand or a high price, price point brand. Yeah. Woolen prints, like these Merino t-shirts that I always wear, they never discount, but they do do the thing of like buy over 200 bucks and get a free <coughs> pair of socks. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's an interesting. Um, Which those socks probably yeah. just would have been made for that promotion. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah. think that's also. So, you know, we would plan quite far in advance for certain promotions. For example, it might be um, the start of the New Year's, very big time for fitness industry, mm. um, New Year's resolutions, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. what product are we going to make to throw into the bundle? Mm. You know, was it a sweat towel? Was it a drink bottle? Or was it going to be a limited edition? Or we're just going to use stock that's not moving, all that kind of stuff. I mean, a lot of this stuff's becoming more known to the consumer. Absolutely. But we still don't so. give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I get the socks. Yep. I get the yeah. socks. Yep. But the thing is, we're be- like, I guess you're priming. There is a lot of retailers now that have primed their audience or their customer yep. to only buy on sale. Yeah. So, for mm. instance, like my mum's shops at Suzanne's and she will only ever, yep. she's playing this game of when it's on discount and then 
every time she spends a certain amount, she gets like a well, twenty dollars gift. Country Road have perfected yeah. that model with the mm. whole spend and save. Yeah, um, and they reframed that entire sort of program. Is it like a loyalty about, program now. Yeah, so mm. it was probably about two years ago now. I think they um, they restructured it, um, and it was blowing my mind when they did it because in terms of the back end of that, it just would have been a, a complete um, head fuck of a digital yeah, transformation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but most most leading retailers now have a loyalty program mm-hmm. in place that's quite evolved and completely, um, you know, beautifully marries in all their touch points. Um, so, spe- yeah, they have that spend and save model, but then it's also, it's it's kind of like a Qantas frequent fly model mm-hmm. as well. So you've got like a, a status so it's a you know gold, silver, bronze, or what have you, or platinum, um, and it tells you frequently like what you're up to. Or you only have to spend another thirty dollars by this date to go on or to retain this status. Mm-hmm. Um, they send you little perks now and then. So I think on you know on Sunday, speaking to um, birthday perks and so forth. I think it was Sunday morning. I'm like, oh, there's a spend and saves ending tonight. Plus I've got thirty dollar birthday credit. Really should get there. Oh God, no. <laughs> hang on. It's a I'm there. It was like it was, it was five forty-five on Sunday yeah. night. I'm like, surely I've got to get something. I've got to. And then also you you leave, and I also felt felt a bit dirty when I left left, left two things. Just yeah. going, do I actually need those things? Oh, Is it the linen shirt you're wearing? It's lovely. It's, it's not. No, no. Yeah, it's very country road though. Yeah, it does. They do oh, linen very well. Oh yeah. Do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think they do linen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we've, denim been, as well. we've been working with Country Road on some shoots, and, and, and we're in there, and they've got some denim. You've been working denim. on yeah. the shoots? Yeah. We've been working with Country Road. Oh, doing videos. Not video. in the shoots. Not, um, yeah. I mean, they they asked me, but I said, no, nah, yeah. I've got another. We're more of a rod and gun yeah. kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brand. Brand, yeah. Uh, no, I was talking to um, my mum. She was saying, I think it's with Woolworths, where uh, when you're at the register, mm. it will tell you, uh, say you're putting through your purchase, it was either Coles or Woolies, but it will say, hey, you've got 75 points or something. And with those points, you can get two sets of like uh, drinking glasses, oh, and so you wow. just tell them, and then they bring bring it out or yeah. whatever. Which, but that's just yeah, it's frustrating. It's yeah. that it's just that feeding that incredible <laughs> consumerism yeah. and just absolute superfluous mm. amount of shit yeah. in this world. Plastics and consumables and just FMCG. Yeah. Well, what just about going the whole everywhere. little? Uh, what are those things called? Oh, the ushies. 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 What are, like? It's Mate, so I funny. What, they're just in my fucking car in the side bloody. But mount. do you know what's oh, equivalent so to? Wouldn't, as a consumer, wouldn't you just go? Do you know what? I would prefer a plastic bag. I prefer. <laughs> oh wow! No, but I prefer five percent off my bill. Yeah, like I don't. Wa- I don't want similar situation. Uh, I think it was last week. I got my um, a ding dong at the front door, and I got um, my annual. The ding dong was it Ushi? Did you think that was a ding dong? Annual hamper from my financial advisor. Oh, really? I mean, you got to have one. Really nice you got to have a financial yeah. advisor to yeah. get that. We don't. Was it the beach house address? It's or which the, <laughs> <laughs> you go, yeah, this is yeah, not right for the business guys. Yeah, okay, it's not sure. something. Yeah, yeah. um, not that indulgent, but it's funny because I had this conversation with a girlfriend twelve months ago who also mm-hmm. runs a business, and she goes, "That's my worst time." I always look at it and think, "I paid for that." Yeah, like exactly. I paid for that hamper. Like the laughs on them. Yeah. Then I opened it up, and it's always full of things that I can't eat. I've got a lot of yeah, intolerances. Sure. Yeah. Bring sh- it over. Champagne. Don't drink that. <laughs> yeah, but great for regifting. Yeah. So that, really you know, great. perfect. Yeah. Champagne can go to a Christmas party. Uh-huh. Um, that one can there. Yep. 
There's always a dukkha there. There was always a, like, like a, a rub. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> you could sprinkle it on eggs. You could, yeah, you could yeah. put it on meat. Like lamb, like shredded lamb or Are something. You allergic to that? Because like, I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> you know, the, it's, it's kind of like the promotional um, value adds mm-hmm. of the fitness world, but those hamper fillers. Mm. Like, does anyone actually buy dukkha and rubs? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a very, yeah, is it a sample thing? Do you think he's got a client? Like, does the financial advisor have a client or something that's. They were really great products. Du- no, yeah. I think that someone just walked around Leo's and pulled them together. Uh, Leo's. Mm. Leo's is good. Like, that's high quality yeah. stuff. Yeah, no, it was good great. stuff. It was great stuff. What do you think of their yeah. orange juice? No, it's so good. Because 97 oh, was in a, yes. it was in a yep. sauna the yep. other day. And you, you <laughs> yeah, were talking. Yeah, down at Q. Yeah. Then, then goes down to Leo's yeah. Q yeah. and has his OJ. Yeah. yeah. Perfect afternoon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Best orange juice you can get. Well, they're very and good at the use, smelling. As soon as you walk yeah. in, it's the smell. Mm. Mm. Great brand experience. Yeah. Do you think these, like, these are all touch points from brands to try and bring value or make you think about them more? Like we're talking about the things we're onto. The financial guy mm. Is that deeper emotional connection? Yeah, an association. When we're onto it, like you're talking about the hamper, it's like, dude, save your cash. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd rather save, but save my cash. Yes. Yeah, but save your cash that you could have <laughs> passed did, on to mm-hmm. the customer. You could have kept. Or, yeah. like, if, if you didn't get the hamper, what would you feel? Would you be pissed? <laughs> or you but wouldn't I didn't anything. set up the expectation. So mm-hmm. they did. Yeah. yeah but so now that you do have the expectation. I won't lie. It was second week in December. I was like, it'll be due any day now. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then the doorbell rang and it was two lovely girls delivering handle it. And I said, you guys doing the rounds with everyone today? And like, yep. Are they from the actual? Yep. Pro- okay. Oh, I haven't outsourced it. Was- but you know what? Like yeah. when you're a consultant, mm-hmm. you don't get a lot of Christmas party gifts. Yeah, yeah. You don't really get a Christmas party. Uh-huh. Mm. No. Lovely. No, I think there, there is Came something nice. There is something nice in that. I always love I th- an unexpected gift. Yeah, and I would like to. I think one of my brand values is generosity. Not very good, but then combine that with the admin involved in getting gifts. It's actually yes. quite a f- bit of friction for me. Oh, definitely. Because yeah, very generous, but don't get mm. anything. Yeah. And so I would like to, in a future life. Or potentially, you know, sometime in the future, maybe it's when I get my virtual assistant. I don't know. It would be great. Yeah. <laughs> what okay. do you think about the virtual assistant, by the way? Do you know I have? It's one of those things I have heard a lot about, mm-hmm. like murmurs about virtual assistants. But again, don't know anyone that has used one. Yeah, exactly. Directly. Have you had an assistant before? In my current business. In in life, in like through oh. your whole. Existence? Have you ever had someone that you would? Be no, able I wouldn't to... call them an assistant. Mm-hmm. Someone that someone that I manage. I would call him work. Jason. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm going to say no. Yeah, not directly. Because it would be nice, like because um, it. I, I would say an ass- Yeah, the, is the, assistant. You're allowed to even use that term anymore. Yeah, definitely. PA, yeah. personal assistant. PA. PA, you're right. That's executive not, assistant. But no one's a secretary anymore. Ah, uh, uh, sure. okay. You're right. Because that's what that's I've a got, woman. got upgraded to personal assistants. Yeah. That makes sense. Reinvented themselves. Um, Jeff Jowett, who we've had on before, made a lot of money, lost it all. Uh, it, when he lost all his money, he didn't know how to pay his phone bill mm-hmm. because he had so many people doing shit for him. So there is diminishing returns uh, about outsourcing. Yeah, over-engineered. Mm-hmm. Outsourcing the shit that yeah. you should actually yeah. know how to do. 100%. I mean, I'm quite an efficient person anyway. So I think there are... Um, look, my work volume is not to the point yet where I need someone to just manage the inbox. Mm. Better be lovely. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I, th- I don't know. I don't. I think when you 
when you are a little bit type A, maybe I enjoy that sort mm. of stuff as well. I, I enjoy it once I've done it and I always have the moment of like, oh, why don't I do this more often? The admin stuff. Yeah, like re- responding to emails or something, right? Do you I like, a, a, you know, ticking off stuff? Yeah, so I've started, I've got in my notes now like a um, to-do list and I've yes. sort of been ticking off yes. that. That sort of works well. Yep. Do you? What are the habits that you have created for yourself to make sure that you are being that type A person? And maybe specifically to 2019. Stuff. What did you do this year? Yeah. Um, to make sure that I am being that person. Oh, there's a couple yeah. of – so – or it also, on the flip side, mm-hmm. knowing that I am like that, Sure. sometimes I can get buried in emails, for example, mm-hmm. whereas I know that that's not really where I should be focusing my – because that's not work. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I know I need to focus on something, then I'll close the email browser, just make sure that I'm not – on it. Sure. If I can see it and I can see something coming through, I find it very hard not to check it. Yeah. Yeah. Or even respond to it right there in the moment. Mm-hmm. I, I can't really leave things. Yeah. So I need to just not see it. So I'll close the email browser off and just deep dive. Or quite often I'll print things off not as opposed really to printing. working. If it's like a white paper mm-hmm. or some research, or I'll print it off and just close the lid and actually physically remove myself mm-hmm. from device and just get through it. Get, get the old highlighter out. Mm. Do you reckon Love you'll it. spend how long a day on email? Oh, it's really hard to calculate that, mm. isn't it? So it's not like you don't have, you don't sort of go into defined times where it's like between no, I don't, 11 a.m. Yeah. and midday I'm getting back to my email and then I'm going to do. No, I'm not, no. I'm not that um, diligent with batching. Mm-hmm. And plus you, my day is often dictated by client's needs as well or where my meetings sit. Mm-hmm. So any one day will be quite different from another. Um, what do you think if you did do the, the batching thing? It sounds great in reality, but do you leave off a whole bunch re- of ops? A lot of people do that, right? Mm. Like, So they say, okay, between, you know, no, a lot of people actually leave their emails to the end of the day. Um, I've never been, I've never really batched. Mm. Do you think it would be beneficial? I've thought about doing it, but mm. then it's like, would you be I annoyed if you're like, sorry, mate, can't touch it. But just I'm doing it anyway. But the thing is I'm doing it anyway, but it's this unintentional <laughs> just like, fuck, I haven't done email. To, like I don't live in email. I When I was younger and I was freelancing, especially working just solo on my own, yeah. it was always email, right? Because yeah. that was the only way that you're corresponding. Well, it's an important part mm-hmm. of what I do, yeah. absolutely, because you have to just, you know, respond to clients and mm-hmm. make sure you're on top of things and also that's part of your brand is how quickly you can respond and resolve mm-hmm. issues and consult and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I do spend quite a bit of time there, but I don't know how you could kind of, because it's mm. always, you well, know, those each, micro each things, like right? A, yeah. Well, cause that's what I, I feel is like, um, yeah, sometimes I appreciate the short shot, like someone that's yeah. just sends a, yeah, sounds great or whatever. Yeah. Whereas I think I over-engineer where I've like, if I've gotten a long email, I'm like, need to go through and do Be dot point. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. I think that there is something in the quicker approach of just first thought, go type mm. of thing, where I think my go-to is I read an email and then I'm like, this requires more than 30 seconds. Mm leave it for another time, yep. but then a, another email comes and it's the same thing. And so Are you good at – so if you leave it for another mm-hmm. time, do you do you always go back to it? Well, it's 
I don't archive it. So I try and I live in a world that is, yeah. Yeah, So it's, I uh, live in an inbox zero world, but the inbox is never zero. But the thing is, so I can, like the other, like um, yesterday I got to an email that I, a chain that was like from September, Mm. which is pretty, like it's a long period of time. The funny thing is I'm like, sorry for the delay. And they're like, oh, we know it's a busy time of year. I'm like, (laughs) this was from September. But, yeah, I think there is, um, I definitely see that there, but there is a probably, it's hard because say with the daily talk show, this is on that branding piece. We get a bunch of emails. Do you guys have separate Inboxes for Daily Talk Show and Big Media. Hi at the dailytalkshow.com. Yeah, but so that's where we. But one inbox. Yeah, so they all sit within our the contexts of our um, email clients. Yes, we see them as one. Yes, and so there has been that conversation throughout the year of like, hey, do we? What are we doing between? with? Yeah, yeah, what are we doing with email? Like, yeah. hi at the Daily Talk Show. Like, I'm just going to start archiving them because I want to sort of keep things clean. Yeah, but it's also that thing of. Um, so the brand, this is what we're trying to work out, I guess, mm. from an internal communications point of view, the brand value of being great at comms, mm-hmm. like getting back to people. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that we've necessarily, our thoughts, normally what happens is if it's, if we're not sure, if we're like trying to work it out, if it requires too much friction, it yep. doesn't get dealt with. Right. Because it's like, okay, we don't have anything that is actually of value for this person. But I think there is something in potentially getting good at here's an, maybe not even a template, but here's a quick response that we yep. can send so it's done and it feel it's actually. Well, it is a template, isn't mm. it? It's it's your default response for those sorts of scenarios or mm. queries that don't fit. Yeah. Where you just go, okay, this is our, this is how we, because otherwise, I mean, that, that could potentially save you a couple of hours a week. Mm. Well, also, it's not even a couple of hours a week. I find with these things, it's the, Residual it's effect the of it. Yeah, it's a yeah. thing of like, mm. oh, I've got that Reduce the cognitive load. Yeah, yeah. for but sure. But then on the other side, the benefit to the brand of a touch point, mm. the person that never got back versus the person that just said, hey, sorry, we're on a project yeah, and, and what mm. can't mm-hmm. can't work on that for mm. you, but any other time, love Same, to speak to um, you. you know, again, back in two times you days, we used to have so many requests for sponsorship. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm doing this charity fun run, I'm – climbing this mountain, I'm doing this, that and the other. And you you can't have a bespoke answer for every single person. Mm-hmm. To a degree, yes, you can tweak it, but there needs to be some sort of efficiency to mm. your comms for sure. I think there's definitely something in that. 2020, what are you trying to get better at? Um, so I, I've had the pleasure and the privilege privilege of working with a coach for the first time in the last couple of months and that's been really interesting. So he, um, Clint Bizzle, um, former former AFL player, now resilience leadership coach, and he is also trained in Enneagram personality profiling. I don't know if you guys have heard about no. Enneagram. So um, up until this year, I've always kind of resisted the whole personality profiling thing quite quite a lot. Have you guys done it? Any, uh, any I, I've done it before. Yeah. yeah, I did it when I was doing the coaching yeah, okay. course. My wife has just done it and she's obsessed what, what with it. I'll tell you, she, she just sent me her stuff. I'll just tell you the, the brand or whatever. The yeah. one. Mine yeah. was the D, what's the? Like Myers-Briggs, Myers-Briggs is quite, yeah, yeah okay. So um, I did that when I was working at the fire brigade in the media department and yeah. I was like a yeah. trainee. Facet 5. 
Facet 5 testing. She's actually okay. sent me her one and this woman who specialises in it. Right. She's like, we should both do it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then they sort of just well, talk to us about it was quite fascinating. What, what we're doing. So I have resisted it a lot in my career and in my personal life in the past. I think because from a personal branding perspective, I've always been very wary about people holding on to narratives mm-hmm. or, um, you know, it might be five, six, seven years ago and you've been given some feedback by it might be a manager, it might be a person in your life that told you that you were X and you've somehow hung on to that over the last however many years and sort of thought, well, that's not me because I am this, Mm -hmm. you know. And I think some some people more than others can kind of end up prescribing to a certain narrative. I'm a bit... um, yeah, wary. I, it's funny. I, I don't read horoscopes for the same reason mm-hmm. because I feel like knowing me, I will just cling on to it. It's like even though I don't really believe in um, that kind of stuff, I feel like I know my personality would sort of hold on to things that I've read. What about if the things that you read served you though? So that's something that I, through this process, mm-hmm. um, so the Enneagram personality profiling, I think it comes out with um, 12 different models. So you take a 45 to 50-minute online survey and it's all um, – it's it's quite an interactive how, – how do you describe it when it sort of um, changes? Uh, choose your own adventure. So it's a dynamic. It's, it's yeah. dynamic. So mm-hmm. in terms of the way it – um, dishes up your questions, mm-hmm. it does it live based mm-hmm. on, you know, the answers that you're, you're spitting in. Um, so as on on the back of, off the back of the answers that I gave through this process, a week later um, my report came back and it was like a 38 to 40 page document that really stepped you through everything from, um, you know, your strengths and weaknesses to um, like your defaults, how you manage other people, good other personalities um, within the spectrum that you complement, that complement your personality, that um, particular traits that might be challenging for you. Um, and I, for the first time, I you know, read this through in, in high detail and found it incredibly telling in terms of the why behind my behaviours mm. and um, why I do things so I, I think for the first time I was really starting to question the motivations, like mm. the deep motivations behind um, my defaults. Did it feel like it it could be less personal, like you you could read it and consume it because it was something you put in the input data yeah. and then it is sort of in a non-judgmental way come out with, hey, this is the – this is – because really you, put, you inputted yeah. the information yeah. and it's just come back with it rather than – say, the emotional stuff that comes with doing a 360 review where people are providing feedback? Like anecdotal. Yeah. Um, I didn't really think about it that. Um, Do you think you're good mate, with feedback normally? Like if someone gives you feedback within the context of sort of, you know, work or? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I always take it quite personally. Mm-hmm. Um I'm always I'm always interested in in feedback and mm-hmm. I'm always interested in growing and learning but I think what I've learnt about myself over the last 
few months has been um, quite significant and the way in which small daily behaviours have changed my approach to work and my um, outputs a result have been quite exponential. What was um, the most telling thing? What? Um, <clears throat> I'm So my personality is by nature a real giver. Um, I like to give, give, give. And there was also, I think I started to question, oh, there's um, a real insight around what what is the motivation behind that giving? Is it actually because you're trying to value add for other people Mm -hmm. or is it more about what you're getting back Mm -hmm. yourself internally? And what also, what are the expectations that you have as a result of that giving? Like does it come with something? Mm. Um, And I'd never thought so deeply about what my expectations were as a, as a result of giving. Mm. Um, and I do it a lot through, by nature of my work professionally, but also personally, because um, I enjoy it. You know, I enjoy giving things and um, going over and above. And so in terms of from a client and a, a business perspective is um, being a lot more um, cognizant and wary about over-delivering all the time because mm. I think we can often live in that place, especially, you know, living a kind of consultant um, life is making sure that you are showing that you're delivering good value. It's a protective mechanism because, like, if I provide more value than I think that I should be giving, yeah. then I can go to bed every night knowing that what I charge when I show up in the world, I'm all yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Because I think one of my deepest fears is I would hate for a client to feel like they haven't gotten good value or mm-hmm. they've been shortchanged mm-hmm. or so there's this constant, I'll just give a bit more, a bit more, a bit more. But how how long do you keep doing that mm-hmm. before it actually ends up ham, you're being hamstrung? Mm-hmm. Um, and it can also compromise your earning capacity because you're giving too many hours. Mm-hmm. Um, it can also burn you out um, and, also in, and it just – you're looking for validation um, through that giving too much, mm. I think. So just in terms of 2019, probably learning a lot more about truly how to work smarter rather than harder, I think. What does that look like for you? Um, being really measured about how much energy I put into my work often Um, and also being so we came up with this (laughs) kind of the the core takeaway for me was being a master of protecting the motherfucking asset which is yourself right Mm -hmm. so especially as a as a yeah as a consultant when you're running your own business it if you're not feeling great yourself or feeling depleted ultimately that's going to manifest in your work and you're not going to be delivering the best work. So you have to self-care like a boss when you run your own business basically and you have to treat that as as important as your client work. Mm. I, th- I know that sounds incredibly simple and um, almost it, it just is it, probably one of the most powerful insights I suppose and it's it's okay to say that but to actually – um, deliver on that mm. insight is something quite different. So learning how to respect yourself as much as you respect the work and the clients 
Um, I mean, you guys would, do you struggle with that at all? Yeah. Is it listening to your body? Is that what in essence it is? It's, it's not just your, yeah, it's your, it's not just your body or it's your mind mm-hmm. as well as, um, so you have to create, create time for, so there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, um, sort of discourse out there at the moment around, um, you know, professionals or executive as athlete as well. So mm. um, in terms of high performance coaching in that E-suite, C-suite space is treating rest and recovery like you are an athlete because to build a sustainable career, a truly sustainable one and a sustainable life, we need <laughs> to be taking out, taking care of ourselves and putting yeah. more rules in place you know, around technology, around how many hours of sleep you're getting. Um, you know, do you want to you want to be going longer, stronger for longer, as mm. opposed to just go, go, go right here, right now. Because mm. um, if I'm burnt out, I don't have any sick leave. Mm. I don't have any like, you know, I can't take take sick leave or stress leave or whatever. So no, no one else is going to get the work done. But, but you have a hamper. Got the hamper. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's a um, it's interesting because when you, especially being in the branding space, you have as you sort of said with the email, your brand is that you get back to people to people really quickly. Yeah, yeah. And so there's a part of me which my approach to email is self preservation. Yes. Uh, and so like from a consistency and that's why I always find type A-ness mm. an interesting thing mm. because I think that in some areas I'm really type A but then. What sort of areas? I think around consistency. So yep. saying like say with the if I'm, if I know, if I've got an idea and I know that it's going to serve the future, mm-hmm. I think I can put in effort for a long period of time. Yep. So like the idea of the daily talk show being, you know, doing it seven days and doing all that sort of thing. And that's that's where I think that comes in. However, I also prioritize and drop everything else. Mm-hmm. So I've got that focus, potentially obsession, where I could obsess about something. Uh but it's yeah, it's in- Do you think it's selective obsession though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. And yeah. so there's there's something I think that there's probably so if I was good at email, what does it mean to be good at email? I was email? just gonna say that. Yeah. What? And so good at email is being quick at responding. Yeah, efficiency, efficiency timeliness, exactly. Personalization, mm-hmm. resolution. So all of those things where I'm like, okay, so I go through moments where I like where I say I want to be the best at email. Like yeah. let's like because the thing is that one of the strong values for me is communication and strong relationships. Yeah. However, the thing that I find is the email doesn't necessarily hold the deep relationships that I'm seeking. Mm. I think that like the common sort of idea that phones are bad or whatever, I think actually I reckon phone calls are the new in person. Mm. Like I think that there's so much power in, okay, I've got – I'm filling my favourites list on yeah. my iPhone of like these are people who I'm going to speak to weekly yeah. and I'm just going to call them. That's an interesting one. Do you guys, because I think in today's <coughs> day and age, mm-hmm. you'd probably only have maybe a handful of people in your life who you know, oh, they're a, they're a caller. 
They're a phone person? Yeah. Are you guys phone people? As in we'll call as opposed to text? I mean, I've got my, my best mates and some that I have always been callers with. Mm. Like yeah, my, yeah, friend Matt, yeah. we used to just always catch up on the phone. He loves a good chat. Yeah. I love a good mm-hmm. chat. And we just chat. It's just a couple of blokes chatting, mm-hmm. having a little gossip. You, you know? still do it? Yeah. I, he yeah. lives down the coast now, so it's the only way. We text every now and then, but I sometimes we just randomly chat. Yeah. But I appreciate it. Yeah. So in terms of the brand, mm-hmm. are you guys <clears> – it's an interesting We one. need to get so, good at email as a the daily talk show operation. So, for instance, like the calendar, like we've automated that where it's like sending a calendar – request to someone, they get all the details. Yep. But the the next level, I don't think it's necessarily me with the skill set that I have to do it, but I think that we need to be across every email yep. and sending out. Just that systems and processes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so just especially with the more and more sort of PR opportunities that mm. we get with brands and things like yep. that, it sort of compounds. Yep. So what's going to be your vetting procedure mm. and... Yeah, what are all those kind of templates that you're going to have in place? Yeah. I mean, you could write that as your holiday word, mm-hmm. Josh. Yeah. Yeah, what's, what's the list job. of That's templates? That's someone's job. Well, like someone has to be on the receiving end of that. Well, it's. I guess there's a – There's a. Um, I guess we need to work out, okay, what's yes important. Yes and no, you could have the templates ready to go and then any of you could just use yeah. it. Do you know what I mean? And so it shouldn't be – hard. The, the hilarious thing about these things is they're, they're actually – once they're ready and being implemented, they're not that difficult. It's just a cho- – a, very specific choice of this is this is the rule, mm. and so the the thing is, if your rule is by six pm every evening the inbox is empty, yeah, that's like a very easy thing to make sure that like then it never becomes an issue, right? Yeah. Um, and so exactly, but it's 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 an interesting test for mm-hmm. your brand around what are what is our rule book? Mm-hmm. Like what does it look like? Yeah. So. What does it mean, you know, what what does efficient comms look like to you? Does it mean a 24-hour response rate? Does it mean 48-hour? Does it mean um, actually we're going to call everyone that comes on the show for a 15-minute mm-hmm. briefing? Or yeah. what's the debrief look like? Mm-hmm. And um, when we send out, you know, the assets post-show, what's that email going to look like? Mm-hmm. And... Um, how can we formalise some of the stuff that we're kind of doing by nature now, mm-hmm. maybe not, some yeah. of the stuff that we are and we're not. Um, so good segue, mm-hmm. looking back on 2019 and you guys as a brand, what are some of the biggest learnings? Have you have you had time to sort of take stock and? Yeah. I think um, you, you need to do a whole bunch to work out where the focus should be. So the email thing is only because the show's got bigger. We've had more inbound. Yeah, yeah. So until we work out that, yep. mm-hmm. you can you could obsess over it before you get the inbound, which doesn't really give it the the, the tangible feel mm-hmm. of when you actually start having it come in. But um yeah, 2019. It's just it's been a year of learning for us, understanding what it actually means to build an audience. We've worked with so many brands catering to their audience or understanding mm. what we should be creating for them to target a specific type of audience. But then there's um, there's something in actually starting to have people mm. listen and get a consistent, uh, you know, group of people. Have mm. you done – my brain just um, 
pinged. Have you done any, uh, like a, a reflective, like a content analysis to look at? These are all the kinds of hosts that we've had mm-hmm. and these are all the different industries that we've touched in the conversations. Yeah, it's de- definitely. That? So that's where like we were talking the other day about getting someone who's a data scientist mm. who wants because we've got like there's very few shows in the world that are doing video, that are doing audio, that are doing like we transcribe yep. uh, through, you know, AI or whatever um, all of the episodes. So we have we, Amazing. Can, we can do things like. Uh, Mr. Nine Seven can can look up specific topics. Yep. You can see, you know, word word clouds and all that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, great. Yeah, there's definitely. So, for instance, one of them is like Sundays. So the mm-hmm. thing that so we uh, we have put our assumptions to the test. Mm-hmm. One of the assumptions uh, that we had was around podcasts tend to get people on once they have yep. a, a deep conversation and that's it. What happens if you're doing a show for ten years? and you have the same people on multiple times, what happens if it's not about Tommy or I and it's about everything else that's mm-hmm. around it? Mm-hmm. So Scooter Derek being, at, you know, AU79 at the event, he's got a, uh, he's build, building a character within the community that we have, which then gives us more opportunities for creativity. Mm-hmm. So it means that if we are doing a live show, we can actually throw to him yep. and people have buy-in. Got it. So there's there's that uh, side of things. Um, around the, the Sunday stuff and the data, what we uh, are working towards is exporting out all of the data that we have over the past two years, working out days. Let's work out what days are doing best. Yep. Working out um, we can do stuff like the difference between a listener and a download mm-hmm. so we can see okay, the average listener is listening to three episodes a mm-hmm. week or mm-hmm. things like that. But, yeah, we're constantly, I think. Um, what about time of day? Yeah, so time of day, it's it's hard because of like geography and mm. people being different mm. areas. 70% of our audience are Australian mm-hmm. and then 70% of that 70% are based in Melbourne. Um, so I think that it, it's fair to say that at the beginning we were sort of going for more of a global thing. We've actually probably narrowed in to let's nail what we can do in Melbourne yep. and in Australia. Yep. Um, and then the question is, what what do you do with this data? So if we we aren't the people that can understand this or have the time to put in to really sort of spit out the other side the the exact information, what do you do with it? And this is what someone said this to us before. Are you looking at all these things drop off rate? But mm-hmm. there is an element of it, it's like yes. So you, your assumption is if you listen to that and you act on the fee, the data, the feedback, it will in turn give you some other result. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it will increase listenership. Yeah. That has to be the assumption based on someone encouraging you to yeah. look at the data, look at the data. I think there's a difference though between looking at something at a <coughs> weekly level and a yearly level, right? Definitely. So I mean the more data you have, the more yeah. powerful it is. Yeah. But I think the tricky thing is when you're looking at data and you're doing content analysis, is it is it the day – of the podcast that mm-hmm. worked? Was it the guest you had? Was it the time of day? Was it all the other stuff that was trending online at that moment in time? Like yeah, and so the platform other... itself increasing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's right. I... Is it growing the category? You know, is it the fact that podcasts mm. in general can just keep growing and growing or is yeah, that is hindering you? Is it the sex or... tape, Josh, released? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's definitely patterns, right? <laughs> what? <laughs> it's coming de- 2020. 2020. No, there's definitely patterns, yep. I think. And so, like, I think that we can 
look at that. I think that I'm all definitely. So broad, yeah, okay. So broad themes or patterns mm-hmm. or takeaways from 2019 mm-hmm. in terms of the brand. So like I think uh, the patterns. So what I love about what we do from a brand perspective yep. is uh, the guests are fairly broad, but they all have something in common. Like I think there is a through line. So what is that commonality? I think the the commonality is a willingness to walk up here and come on the show. I think if you are willing to do that, yep. you're already a ticking some form of box, which is okay with ambiguity Yeah, because uh, it's not that 15 minutes. So yep. by design, not having a 15-minute call beforehand. Yeah. But I, lo- I love that. That's mm-hmm. like that's almost like a value, right, yeah. okay with ambiguity, mm-hmm. like literally capturing that and formalising that and owning mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Like Anne Rao, who we had on, who we did the improv with, where she was uh, going back into her CNN days and, and doing all that sort of thing. Like to be able to enter it, you could have so many different news anchors yeah. with completely different personalities, but people loved that episode and they really enjoyed what she brought to the table because she just had a few sets of values, which is just showing up, leaning in. Same mm-hmm. with Michael Bungay-Stania. It's like we do coach live coaching mm-hmm. with Harry. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think that that's the the thread for everyone. But then it's also um, it's about bringing in people who are very contrasting, mm. you know, in sort of personalities. So you have people who are high-performance business, yeah. uh, let's talk numbers. Yeah, that diversity mm-hmm. in talent and diversity exactly. in story and experience mm-hmm. and so forth, yeah. And so that's another element of it. Um, then, yeah, outside of that, I think it is the like what people like Mr. 97 brings or what Harry brings or yeah. what 3D Deal brings yeah. or what Queen Gronk brings. Like all these different people who have become the show, yeah. I think is mm-hmm. like in tw- 2020, I think that's the exciting thing. It's like you look at all the people that we've had involved in the show, mm-hmm. these are all like new relationships. And so think about like where the power is in 12 months' time. Mm. What's your external? Like, well, I guess you're in the community too, so there is that element. But what? Are, what's I think your community viewpoint? is hugely important to you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading an article, um, a um, I think it was Harvard, Harvard Business Review. Um, Denise Yon is the author. She she writes one of some of the best um, brand articles and does a lot of research around branding. And she came up with. This was just this week. Uh, a nine, a nine-point model or an, a framework of nine different types of brands. And um, I was thinking about you guys when I was reading, and she sort of. I think the nine were around. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna remember them all. Can you bring um, it up, Sebs? Yeah. What was her name again? Denise. Denise Yon. I think it was nine brand. Um, it wasn't called that. Um, if you go to my LinkedIn profile, you probably. Check out my my activity, and then there would have been an article. I, th- I think I found Denise. Oh, well done, gone Harvard. Mate, he's good. Harvard Business <laughs> Review. Ping ping. Good people. Um, Surroundings. So some of them were. So I'm going to say, um, like a disruptor, mm-hmm. experience brand, um, uh, disruptive, conscious service. Love him. In- innovative value, performance, luxury, style, and experience. I counted. Yeah. There was nine. <laughs> got my fingers. <laughs> got my fingers. <laughs> so for me, experience was 
big one mm-hmm. for you guys. And then I think you've got a little bit of a little bit of disruptor in there as well because you are a challenger brand in a way, I think. Um, how would you identify with those? I like those. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the disruptor definitely because I think like where <clears throat> we are obviously doing within the space of new media, not really a – Oh, so I think this is what we do. But you're not disrupting we bring the old category. And new. So yeah. we bring old and yeah. new together, right? And so by bringing both of them together, it's like the people who aren't meant to be behind the mic. Yeah. So it's like within the podcast context, having Jason PJ who are a breakfast radio mm. show in mm. Melbourne mm. and having so much fun with them yeah. or Ben Fordham in Sydney, yeah. these things, uh, this is where that contrast comes in. Yeah. And so we are... I think that that's where it is. It's it's borrowing the old because I guess that a a disruptor could sometimes be seen as isolating themselves from what has been. Convention. Convention. And I think what we're trying to do is bring convention in because we understand that they've been doing heaps of things right. Yes. But then once we have that convention, disrupts. Yeah. Disrupted on the show. Was there one in there, Mr. 97, around um, learning like – Oh, learning mindset. I think, or not even one of the types, but I think in terms of um, defining, I think that's a big one mm-hmm. for me in terms of you guys and your interest in ongoing learning and that growth mindset. And, I mean, you, you're just sponges. Mm. You seem like there's that incredible curiosity all the time. Um Going back to what you were saying before, Josh, around kind of marrying old old school and new school mm-hmm. or um, tradition with um, innovation is is almost creating, regularly creating those friction points. Mm-hmm. And because I think that's where the magic happens, right, mm-hmm. where you're kind of like, oh, well, this is – yeah, this is an interesting perspective and let's play with that and this is the way it has been, has always generally been done but we're going to try it this way and mm-hmm. we're going to book some tickets to LA and just go throw ourselves in an environment and we'll work it out later. Mm-hmm. Um, Unconventional structure. So we've had a bunch of people say I, I liked the the difference in the structure of that, mm-hmm. whether it's no structure no or it's structure. just our structure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no structure becomes a thing that we do that then becomes the way we structure it. But yeah. the irony being that it is incredibly structured because it's that seven-day format yeah, yeah, and yeah. that you are showing up. Like there's mm-hmm. the structure. It's the silent strategy that we always talk yeah. about, which is like we're sort of – and that's why like I'm actually I think really good with feedback from people around understanding where we sit when people provide feedback. Like say, for instance – you know, going to family Christmas or whatever and and uh, my auntie's like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, so-and-so doesn't listen because you swear. I'm like, that's okay. And so they're like, yeah. so their answer is don't yeah. swear. Yeah. And my answer is it's like it's not for them. Yeah. And so and the thing is you could easily say uh, you could definitely say, all right, Tommy and Josh, if you don't swear, you could gain 20% more people listening, right? But I think that within this space, within the disruption, I think we are being true versions of ourselves. And so maybe we'll swear less, maybe as individuals we'll grow, maybe by the time we're in our late 30s or whatever, things will change. But isn't that that breadth Mm. rather than, or depth rather than breadth? Like it's 
um, you're building a more sustainable, deep, mm. rich, strong brand. Well, because it's us. Yeah, and it's like exactly. it's, that's why we can have Ash Williams on the yeah. show and then we could have a serious executive. Yeah. You could do a million other things to yeah. get more likes. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's, mm. it's, it's like that um, any brand wanting the, the here and now mm. quick wins yeah. as opposed to, well, yeah, we could do that, but it doesn't mean that that's true to our brand mm. and that's not going to be sustainable and that's not going to build a community that's going to stay with us for the next five to ten years. Mm. Um, and it's not going to differentiate ourselves. So one trip overseas per year, is that is that the commitment? Oh, I'd like more, to be honest. I think probably two. I reckon every six months. But, I mean, it depends. So what we discovered, <laughs> so part of our learnings was the daily talk show is a beast and it can take huge amounts of time, mm. even though we feel that we can show up and do it. There is the residual thing where it's like, say, uh, uh, say with this one, we're pre-recording it yeah. because, you know, um, we're going to take a s- small period of time between sort of Chrissy and, uh, you know, the sixth or whatever. Uh, so we're doing, you know, three in a day, you know, today or there might be um, just the explaining to people or communicating what we do mm. can be difficult. Mm. So... Good. Um, so, the, so the deck you guys prepared before mm-hmm. you went to LA. Yeah. Did you find that quite a challenge in terms of because that can be one of the um, most powerful ways mm-hmm. to force you to define and capture your brand mm. and the value of your brand. Yeah. So, tell me about that process. Well, I think if if you say specifically to what Belinda's talking about is a, a deck or a proposal for sponsorship of the show while yeah. we're away. And so I, I take if you take it one step back and look at the process of creating a deck mm. or creating anything that mm. communicates, formalizes yep. or communicates to you, it's world. like yeah. the biggest thing is just doing something. Yes. Like having a deck or doing the process once. doesn't mm-hmm. even matter what it is because what I think the learning is it just it starts solidifying thinking and testing assumptions and working out what you think it is and yep. what other people think it is. Yep. So you have to articulate mm, it. Like yeah. you, you literally have to capture it. So it forces that discipline mm. of sort of saying, okay, well, why should anyone else care? Mm. Yeah. You know, what what do we have that is valuable and how can we how can we target people? Who do we want to target? Mm. Um and I think you it was interesting reading through it because I think there was some magic missing mm. that is hard to capture unless you actually do a real because um, it can take time. Mm-hmm. Quite often you can you have to do a full deep dive in terms of um, you know what is our special source mm. and what makes us our brand different and even talking about those regular friction points mm-hmm. and. Um, what do we say before around the whole being okay with ambiguity mm. and, um, you know, one day we might have, um, you know, Seth Godin and the next mm-hmm. day we have Belinda Wall. Mm-hmm. Um, we're okay with all ends of the spectrum. Um, but I think that is your magic, mm-hmm. you know, and not being afraid to say this is who we are mm-hmm. and we don't have all the answers just yet but we're like this kind of wild work in progress mm-hmm. and that's what makes us awesome. Hard to put in a deck. I reckon, like, one yeah. of the things that um, part of it is. Does it have to be a deck? Yeah, well, I don't, like, I don't think so. Well, so it's brand, right? Wouldn't, so, so make a freaking video. Yeah. And so I think for us where it's at, like, because we, like, say we do our sort of pump up sort of pre-500, the video, yeah. and that does quite well in regards to 
people enjoy it. I think that one of the nuances is uh, 2019 uh, was messy for us based mm. on uh, contrasting goals or objectives. Mm-hmm. And so not being able to align the thing that you're spending most of your time on mm-hmm. with financial outcomes. Mm. And so you're running a business over here that's doing one thing. Yeah but you are putting huge amounts of brand equity into this thing. And so part of it, I think, is that what we were seeking within that document was tidy, right? We wanted a clear, easy answer that could communicate to people who don't necessarily know us, but they can see it and understand it. Yeah. I think what we learnt through that process is, I mean, if we're we're asking of our guests to play an ambiguity, Mm. We need to be okay with ambiguity mm-hmm. going forward. So mm-hmm. it's not going to, going to be tidy. So I think that's the first thing. But I guess one of the values we're looking at is, if you can even call it, I guess outlook is uh, diversification of revenue. So mm-hmm. looking at, so for instance, with that document, that was really based on, the, the biggest problem with that document was we worked out how much money we need to make and then we reverse engineered it mm. into a document, mm. which we've never done business like that before. Mm. Uh, it's always about like uh, what's the problem that the client has? How yep. can how can we solve yep. it? Um, we know that in the future, in five years' time, what the Daily Talk Show has in regards to community uh, and all those you know media products will have the impact that we actually can give the proper amount of value. Yeah. Um, so, what are the proof points that you need to build up to get there? I think that well, the the proof points are in the like performance marketing. So it's yep. like it's the basic the basic thing of, and this is what our friends Shameless do really well, it's like uh, uh, advertising our show, it costs X amount and you'll get X return. Mm-hmm. Here's a case study. Mm-hmm. Um, do I don't think that we're in a position yet to do that in a big way. And so what we're talking about is when we were looking at it initially, it was like, okay, charging a thousand bucks an episode, yeah. right? Based on this is how much it costs to yeah. keep the lights on and yeah. do all that sort of stuff. The reality is that uh, when you look at CPMs, if you actually look at it just very transactional, mm. it's like okay, we could we could sell it for a hundred and twenty bucks or mm. something an episode. It's really it's really interesting around um, you know in terms of say twenty twenty trends mm-hmm. with Instagram, um, as we've seen a lot of micro influencers are having. I'm just. My brain's just spinning after yeah. you said this. Micro influencers are having a greater, um, I guess, return value for brands than, say, the macro influencers mm-hmm. and the huge ones. So, in a similar vein, it's like, well, how can we potentially work with micro advertisers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in order to literally build up our proof points to say, okay, well, let's just let's just get this get a get a run on the board, mm-hmm. and then so we have a case study yeah. in twelve months' time to say. We worked with a sponsor that gave us ten bucks, yeah. and that's all they could afford. Now mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. now they are, you know. So you could literally just use it as an experiment to build a case study mm-hmm. and build a narrative to support your case, and it doesn't have to be huge dollars. Well, that's it's, it. it's about yeah, okay. We we played in this micro advertising mm-hmm. space because we wanted to see where it went mm-hmm. and where we could take a brand and what kind of. Um, stories we could tell for them and, and audiences mm. they could reach. When you don't understand how to do it, you it's a natural thing to look to how other people are doing it, mm. but then that isn't necessarily how the you right should way. do it. Yeah. So then you have to then be up for getting stuff wrong. Yep. Mm-hmm. So if you try someone else's approach 
or a, an approach that is consistent to the landscape, yeah. advertising, yeah. CPM, cost mm-hmm. cost per thousand listeners is mm-hmm. X amount of dollars. It does, yeah, you've got to be okay with yeah. not having the answer or having a crack at it, like being totally yeah. wrong. Absolutely. And I think but that's, that's a core takeaway for you guys to say this is our approach and we've got to find advertisers, potential commercial partners that culturally are going to fit that model, yeah. that are really okay with ambiguity, that are willing to give this model a go um, and that can kind of get in the rumble mm-hmm. with us. It's going to get a bit messy and let's just give it a crack. Well, it's also like I think we've taken an all or nothing approach previously and so there is the in-between. And so, for instance, like say if uh, average we need to make 30 grand mm. a month just to sort of pay our salaries, do all that sort of thing, not paying ourselves ridiculous amounts, paying for the lease, expenses, all that sort of thing. Mm. Traditionally what we've done is we've said, okay, let's uh, uh, we might get two or three video jobs mm. which pays for that per month. Mm. And so then that the extension was, okay, we, uh, we're missing opportunities based on spending so much energy on that that we haven't been able to give mm. the daily talk show mm. a red-hot crack in regards yep. to making it. You know, financially. But, you know, there could be even other ways that you decide to shake up the model. Mm. So, you know, in terms of brand um, mashables, that's a way of calling them, or um, things that you want to <coughs> own, you've built up this idea around Fat Fridays, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, okay, well, how can we, maybe we want to sell a Fat Friday a month yeah, and let's actually make that a thing. Yeah. And how do we then, like, what does that mean to sell a Fat Friday? Like we're going to sell out. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't need to feel like you're selling yeah. out. It's just another, it's just a way, way of commercialising the brand. So, one one Friday a month, what maybe might be every Fat Friday, mm-hmm. whoever wants to pay for it. Yeah. Um. Let's build an experience mm-hmm. and let's let's talk about it in a way that's kind of true and authentic and a little bit wild and a little bit kind of gronky. Mm-hmm. Um. Then who are the kinds of people that we might chase down for this whole idea of like a paid Fat Friday or, um. Maybe we take it to the streets or mm-hmm. we do this or that or the other. So I think thinking outside the box can be whatever you mm-hmm. want it to be. Um, what do you think, TJ, in regards to the fact? Because like, like, that's something I think you've spoken a lot about mm. before. What's the what's the bit to get it for us to get it done, do you think, or to try those types of things? I mean um, the commercial viability of thing if it being called fat is feedback I've received mm-hmm. from people, not specifically the brand itself, but other mm-hmm. people. Not to say you reckon that it can't there's probably be a thing. like a. I feel like potential. I think part of it too. Could be called P H A T. Friday. <laughs> cool yeah. Friday. Yeah. I don't think that. Uh, no, I so think potentially it, like rejection or what? Our our. There are brands you, out you there that wouldn't that. be a Friday. No, of course yeah, not. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so you take that on and you go, "Is that correct?" Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think so. I don't. I think. Anyone who has specific feedback about what's right or wrong isn't mm-hmm. necessarily right or wrong. It's yeah. their perspective on something. So yeah, is, that that the, is, is that the stopper though? Do you think? No, like not when- at all, but it's just a thought. And so, yeah, I mean, I've thought it's a, a definitely a winner in mm-hmm. that respect. And, and so, so if we were giving advice to people, because we see like, because that's a, a perfect example where there's a bunch of things that like knowing isn't doing. And I mm-hmm. guess that's like most people's frustrations in life is like, we know we should be doing this or doing that. Back to that. my personality profile. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but, we're, but we're not doing it and that's a great example for us. How do we, um, what are the actions or what are the steps or how do you 
how do you reconcile that, oh, yeah, we are doing it, mm. so then we become sort of um, immune to the first no that we get? Because I think that we've given a lot of things a, a go, but it's normally we at the first hurdle or the first point of friction mm. We then think, fuck, maybe it's maybe it's, it's not right. Maybe way. this is the yeah. market. Yeah. Maybe this is the market telling us we don't have the right yeah. thing. Which is funny because we don't do that with our content. With the show, yeah. we're very clear on this is the value we we're, we're going yeah. to bring. How do you do? You both have a shared kind of um, appetite for risk, or are you quite different on that front? Mm. Shared appetite for risk. I mean, it's. I think they're different. That's, yeah. Just very much in the way we assess what even a risk is. Mm. And so, yeah, I mean, we've both taken big risks to do this and whether one feels more anxious about that specific risk or not, I, I don't know. It's just mm. been, it, it is what it is because we're, doing, we're on the same path. So it's, you could say that you both then deal with the risk mm. in your own way, whether it is registering or not. Mm. My in terms of those decisions around, oh, I'm not sure if this is working, mm -hmm. do we... Do we stay the course or do we opt out now? My, I feel like the biggest risks is normally things that we're not doing versus things that we yeah. are doing. Okay. So I think that that's where I always am placed. So it's very rare, even like the amount of people that would say, oh, have, have you thought about not doing weekends and just doing five days again? And I'm pretty clear on why we're doing it, yep. what the vision is in regards to the touch points. Yeah. That's where things like, where things do stretch is it's like we're testing it and saying, okay, well, like if uh, if we're asking on Instagram and there's only 10% um, of people who listen every single episode mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the main majority put sort of at the slider of that sort of five to six episodes, what is, what's the audience telling us? What do they need? What do they want? How mm. do we serve them? Mm. Um, and so from a risk point of view, that's what I think about is like, okay, the risk of not doing a wrap-up show uh, or the risk of not doing this or not mm. doing that. The, the, uh, I, th I think that's because it's cemented on that idea of Parkinson's law that you fill the time that yeah. you have allocated yeah. to it. And so for most, like I think Mr. 97's a great example of this. He's been able to think about like six months ago your thoughts around social media and what you could do Versus like, you know, we would go days where we wouldn't post mm. and now 97's doing, you know, six posts a day mm. and being consistent and keeping that all up. So yeah. I believe that if you get the right processes in place, yeah. you can make it happen. It's a lesson in showing up, right? Mm. Like you've just got to, and social's really like that. Mm. I think you know, on most platforms it's just the more you put out there, the more you're going to get back. Yeah. Um, interesting trends around Instagram for 2020 is this shift towards longer captions. Mm -hmm. And so a lot more people I think we'll, we're going to see is shifting away from the whole picture first, content second thing. Um, and I've, I've already noticed, I don't know mm -hmm. if you guys have a lot, the length of posts are getting a lot longer and, Definitely, yeah. and a little bit more considered. So I think that will actually separate a lot of the wheat from the, Chef, in terms mm. of who has, especially for influencers, who or it might even create another layer of of work there for copywriters and content developers. Mm. But um, who can really produce creative, considered, 
content that is more than just a mm-hmm. um, a beautiful photo uh, and, and how you're going to tell your brand story and um, how you're going to have that consistency in messaging and so forth. Um, I think that that'll be really interesting. The words are powerful too. Like our most our best performing posts are text. Yeah, people are um, reading that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I think that you can get a message quickly. You know, you can communicate something very quickly. Yeah. Um, but also to the point of the caption, being able to say, "Okay, here's the photo," and then giving it the context. Mm. That's like mm. if we're in this world of sort of people enjoying the in-joke and mm. the meta-ness mm. of what we're doing, mm. then being able to compare and contrast those two yes. things and maybe being a bit ironic or yeah. a little bit sort of playing yeah. into the format. I think that's it. Um, it's, you know, hats off to you guys. I think people really want to be part of this thing that you're building. Mm. So they want to know the backstory. And I think that if you're going to test, you know, how much they want in, you mm. could really go deep with that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's one of the the greatest strengths of the brand that you're building is this kind of the community side of things, and um, it is one that is quite deep and rich, and people really want in. Mm. So the more and more you give them in terms of um, the juice and the narrative, and um, I think people just keep eating it up. Yeah. Can you look up the definition of a cult? Because that's sounding pretty <laughs> culty to me and I'm loving it. Absolutely loving it. The Gronk it. cult. Yeah. Hey, have you noticed yeah. Seth Godin coming next yes. year? Yes. Yeah, it's very exciting. Oh, we're going to try and get him on the show. It would be great. Imagine Seth yeah. in the middle here. Yeah, well, it would be a highlight. So I, I do work with Karen Beatty uh, who heads up the growth oh, faculty great. who's They've bringing got, them out. They, did they bring out Simon Sinek as they well? They certainly yeah. are. Yeah. yeah. Pretty amazing. So the growth faculty. Let's try to pull it off, Grant. Yeah, that'd be great. So what's the what is the growth faculty? Because I've seen them pop up about so like success resources. They are an events and content platform. So they're events producers, mm-hmm. um, and they bring out the best thought leaders in the world mm-hmm. to um, to Australia, but also New Zealand. They've just launched in. Uh, Singapore, so they had the Obamas, both the oh, Obamas what? speaking there over the What's weekend. Their, um, do you know what the business Crazy. model is? Is the business model? It's subscription. So, okay. And it's largely uh, B2B, so they've mm-hmm. got a lot of corporates that um, subscribe to their content, so they mm-hmm. have exclusive content um, that comes through. And they also have things like, um, so if, you, if you're a member, you'll get um, new books delivered. So mm. it's a lot of Amazing. yeah, education, high learning um, is it a lost leader? The uh, all these guests, do you think? Like, oh. is a lost leader? Like a um, like they're not making any cash from it, but it's a brand builder. Like, I wonder about those oh, from events. the event production yeah, side from of things. Seth, from no, like I think they found their profitability. Yeah, um, their model for profitability. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're always going to some. I'm not going to speak. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. know directly. Well, because I always want it. Because my thought is, okay, if you spend eight hundred thousand dollars, it's expensive. Out, like producing yeah. events is freaking mm. expensive. But the thing is, I guess if it's like brands spend a lot of mar- on marketing, and so if that's the uh, marketing exercise, that's why I think is interesting. Is it's like what is the business behind that? Because you think about even you know the big companies or the that's Microsoft, not the, sole the Googles, or whatever yeah, of their mm. business, obviously. Yeah. Um, Creates good hype though. Oh, but creates I, good eyeballs. Yeah, I mean they they they've brought out phenomenal people to Australia: Hillary mm. Clinton, Brene Brown, um, 
obviously Simon Sinek. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Seth Godin, last time he was here, was six years ago. Yeah. He um, came for um, Business Chicks, I think it was. Is he? He was there. Seth Godin? Yeah. yeah. I think that was like, but yeah, I'm pretty sure. I remember, I just remember he had a big. Yeah, I loved it. He had a big. Yeah, yeah, he had like a big lapel mic. I just remember saying that on the. But if you you drunks don't get him on the show, I'm very disappointed. disappointed. Like really disappointed. In a van, just rock up. So I think he's in Melbourne, uh, Mr. 97 in in May, maybe. Yeah, yeah, he's in in May. If you can do it once, you can do it again, Josh. What, uh, get him on, get so him how, on the show. Because how long will it have been since you spoke to him? Um, 190 sorry. was the last episode we had. So, uh, yeah, three, yeah, over a year ago. Yeah, so well, by the time that would be, it would be again the 600s in May. So, year and a bit, mm. year and a half. Wow. Yeah, cool. So, that, that would be, that's that exciting. Be good. So, the, um, like on, on the brand stuff, what is your, your focus of 2020 if you were to describe what you do? And who you are and what you want. I guess when we define a brand, I think Seth says it's like, you know, what people say when you're not in the room. And I guess that's a um, reflection of your actions and the things that you do every day. What do you think? What do you want the brand to Do you know one of the, the biggest takeaways that I have had? I've just finished reading actually Michelle mm-hmm. Obama's book, Becoming. Mm-hmm. Have you, either of you guys? No. I would highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. It's a brilliant read. Um and I've, I've now dog-eared my copy because there's, there's lots of um, great quotes in there. But one of them was um, if you, and this was, you know, in the scheme of her learnings through campaign trails and so forth, um, and it was the insight around if you don't take hold of your brand and your identity, then basically the public, the voting public, was going to create an identity for you. Like they're going to fill that Mm -hmm. void and they are going to create one that is more often than not a a negative one Mm -hmm. in that sense. But I think the insight there around (coughs) personal brand and I think a lot of people looking at my 2020, I think it's going to involve a lot more work around personal branding and executive coaching around that personal branding piece and a lot more people are wanting to take control and um, form a strategy for themselves, whether it be on LinkedIn or online or offline, um, is that if you're not taking control and ownership of your profile and your brand, then the world is going to create one for Mm. you because it already exists. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm, so if people aren't willing to, because you could think, oh, look, I, no, it doesn't I really just, matter. yeah, it doesn't matter. I'll yeah. just work. I'll just yeah. do the work. Mm-hmm. But then your brand is there, like whether you like it or not. So you what may as well take control of it. I find it interesting with doing something like the daily talk show. What do you think it does to Tommy and my personal brand? I've often thought about that too. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, do you, what, do you, what do you think? Yeah, what, what are we? What are we <laughs> thinking? What do you? What do? What do you get from us? Well, <laughs> no, I think the question is what do you want to be known for and what do you want to be known as? Mm-hmm. Is it is it the big media company? Is mm-hmm. it the daily talk show? Is it a producer that works across both of those things? Is it something yet yeah, bigger mm-hmm. um, and that the daily talk show is just the thing that you're delivering now? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think I used to th- think about that stuff myself more as, a, as an individual solo operator and then 
you kind of have to try and put in the, you, it requires the effort to sort of like mm-hmm. almost push that to the side and focus on this new collective thing, bringing your own spin or your, what you can yep. to it. Josh bring what he can yep. to it, mate. Mr. No Sev's coming in later. And then you see how, when you don't work on the personal brand of yourself within the duo, it can get lost a bit mm. because you're now focusing on, focusing on yeah. this collective thing. Yeah. But you can't disregard the energy it takes to form some new thing yep. collectively. I think um, you'd be surprised there because I work with a lot of um, executives who are in a similar situation whereby they have lots of chapters in their lives, um, but they may be at a point where they've spent, say, the last 10 to 15 years on what feels like to be, say, a hamster wheel, just doing this thing that they're doing, maybe building a business or working their way up a corporate ladder or what have you, and they've sort of lost um, lost that time or that discipline of that self-reflection and working out, okay, where do I actually fit in this? What's my role? They've just been on a delivery. Mm. Um, so a lot of what I do is actually unpacking the common read and their personal narrative and going back to, okay, so what are all the things in your career that, like what is the red thread behind it? And even though you may have had different chapters, like you may have been a personal trainer, you might be um, a host of a daily talk show, you might be um, a producer for the big media company, like what is the actual thing that ties that all together? Mm. And that that is... Tommy jacket, basically. doesn't matter what your thing is that you're delivering right here, right now. That's just today's kind of the current manifestation of what your your sort of higher purpose or mm. your brand is. Is it counterintuitive or uh, like I guess, say, for instance, you talk about big media company or the daily talk show, I almost feel from a personal brand perspective maybe slightly detached from those things. So like obviously like the daily talk show, yes, because it's that external thing. Mm-hmm. But when I think about personal brand, I sort of go into Tommy is the guy that or Josh is the guy that rather than but maybe I'm giving it too much nuance versus what the general public sees. Mm. So we're with ourselves you know, every day as individuals and so we can create this nuanced approach mm. whereas it's always funny when you – see someone and they like what they pick out. It's like, oh, the daily, t- like you do this or you do that. Or- it's, I was just thinking it, it all comes back to someone reflecting on the doing aspect of your past or present. Mm-hmm. So you're the guy that mm-hmm. is always bloody talking, podcasting, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's because we do that. Yeah. And so I, when I think about past, it's, and maybe things that are missing, it's the doing that I was doing back then mm-hmm. That isn't in the now. So what aren't you doing? No, now? I don't know. I'm just reflecting yeah. on it, but I'm just like, if someone says, "Oh, you're the guy that," mm-hmm. they're they're actually speaking to the something that you do. Yeah. And so, if the person on the hamster wheel for 15 years is actually just, they're actually been doing a whole bunch of stuff, but it might not necessarily connect to the thing that they've wanted to do, mm. wanted to be seen as, wanted to be known as. Maybe it's the one dimensional doing that can also be the issue. So, for instance, like the daily talk show even though there's nuance within the show, it is one dimensional or whatever. So for me, like saying yes to doing emceeing of a charity gig or things like that is my way of 
being more than a podcaster or that sort of thing and more a facilitator. Well, exactly. So, know. for example, your thing might be more around sharing stories and building experiences mm-hmm. between people or building community between people and you do that through the videos that mm-hmm. you produce you and edit, you do that through the daily talk show, you do that through emceeing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of galvanising human stories and experiences into things that are shareable and mm-hmm. enjoyable and, and challenging and, you know, so it's almost. So how do you get to that? So that there is sort of like a second thought to the first thought of we we're logos or whatever, like at the Daily Talk Show, big media company. Mm-hmm. Josh works on those sorts of things. What do you need to do? Do you think to become that? So how do you go from being the brand person? Say if you work within an organization, say uh, you're the you know CEO of yep. a company, Firefox. Yeah, Firefox. And you go from being the CEO of Firefox to the the person who isn't the cutting edge of web security and privacy, but also is building like a, a platform that's open source. Right. Like I wonder how do you get how do you bring the public into the nuance of your personal brand? So I think that comes down to not being <clears throat> afraid to share your whole self mm-hmm. no matter what you're doing. So, yes, right now you're doing the Daily Talk Show mm-hmm. or you, as in that's one of your most public touch points, so to speak, but you also have a million other things going on in your lives. But quite often people feel like the only thing that they can share publicly is what you're doing on the Daily Talk mm-hmm. Show because I'm that guy. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not necessarily true. Like think about what are the bigger things that you're doing? You know, what are you doing on the weekend Mm -hmm. to um, satiate your curiosity for X Mm -hmm. or you're also really nerdy around technology and... Is the podcast, I mean, because podcast is another beast where it's almost like, so take like the CEO example versus a podcast. The podcast is two personal brands having friction and then bringing other person, like talking at a very sort of like brandy sort of yeah. transactional level potentially, but you've got Tommy's personal brand yes. and Josh's personal yeah. brand. And so, and then you've got Belinda's personal yeah. brand. And so when Belinda comes in, she is going to bring her perspective. Yep. And experiences. And experiences. Yeah. And then it's our job to interact with that. Mm. And so potentially when it's just us as individuals, if we, if something, if we're talking about something, if we're talking about cheese subscriptions, right? You know, monthly it's a subscription. Thing. It's, a thing. For, it's a thing. I listen to And so the thing Jesus. is, do you get Jesus. to a, Jesus? Do you get to a point where you know what I'm, what I would be thinking in this moment, and what Tommy's thinking? Like, I, I guess that's personal brand in some ways, which is like throw something. At, like, so when a guest, if we have a guest that comes in and yeah. you hear the guest say something, I guess we want to get to a point where people say, we'll, we'll think Tommy's going to ask this right now and then it, it happens. I think, well, that comes down to your character and your reputation mm-hmm. for, say, you know, we were reflecting before about um, Ash Williams' episode mm-hmm. and I said, oh, you just didn't let him go. Mm-hmm. 
Josh, you just kept challenging him with that question and you were quite dogged in your mm-hmm. approach. And that that is something people would remember mm-hmm. you for in terms of your character. Yeah. Um, you can't help but do anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's real brand. That's But great. that's your strong. That's your thing. Yeah. You know. So that's like shtick in some way. No, it's that's like, you, dude. It's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. how do we work out, like how do we, because uh, that's almost like heightened versions potentially, which comes out through a show. I know this is very nuanced, but it's just funny. No, so it's it's similar to, um, again, something I always challenge people with is when they're thinking about their own brands is it matters not just what you are doing but how you are doing it mm-hmm. and why you are doing it. So tell me about your character. Like give mm-hmm. me a taste and an insight into your character. So then intentionality within what we say like, I find that interesting. So you using the Ash Williams example, what intention did you think that I was bringing to that? Like what was I, what was the personality or value set that I was bringing to that conversation, do you think? I think you were, well, um, I don't know, but mm-hmm. you were genuinely curious to know the answer. Mm-hmm. And so you have a, you have a dogmatic approach to to really unlocking um, the story behind your guest experiences. Mm-hmm. So that speaks to your character mm-hmm. and your incessant curiosity, whereas Tommy's a bit more sit back, have a giggle and mm-hmm. watch this all play out. Yeah. Um, I, I had a moment in that where I was like, uh, Josh um, understands that, Ash possesses the answer, so he wants mm. him to deliver it. Mm. I know you've got this in you. Yeah. Ash is over here going, no, fuck it. And then I think if you were to, if you were to res- not respect but empathise with how he feels in that moment, mm. so you're up against not that you're not being empathetic for him not wanting to fucking go there or answer mm. it. He doesn't have it. He's like can't be bothered. But then you're also going, you're better than this, buddy. Mm. And so then those two things are clashing. Which is a weird thing. Was it within you or do you ever think from the listener's perspective, like consciously as in like they're going to want to know? I think I'm also um, projecting back our guest's approach potentially. Mm. So I know Ash uh, is unapologetically him. He says outrageous things. And so I think it would have been a disservice to, to, be not, like, do to not do the exact yeah. same back. Yeah. So yeah, if we're yeah. going to give a platform to yeah. someone where it's like we're going to get into the nitty-gritty, he's going to ask 97 if you had sex and You're all that You're not afraid sort of to thing. challenge for yeah. the story. But I guess that's based on values. If we had someone for the very first time who is, you know, very sort of um, it, that isn't one of their brand values or whatever, potentially I wouldn't go there. So it's interesting. Like I think that. I think, I think the other by thing nature too is from a, you are very inquisitive. Mm-hmm. Like so I guess like part of it, like using Ash's example, there's definitely part of him which is so he's talking I what I enjoy is uh paradox or contradictions yeah, and stuff like yeah. that. Friction so points. Friction as points. We're about yeah. And so there's a guy who is currently on a podcast network yeah. who is saying that in twenty twenty he's going to own all of his content. And so the big question is does that mean you're leaving the network? <laughs> Which you'd think the answer, you'd yeah, say yeah, the answer yeah. is yes. Yeah. But so, and so the funny thing is if the listener is thinking that, if they're like, if they're geeking out and being like, I wonder what that means f- for that thing, mm. 
it gives the opportunity potentially of having some fun in it because there's um, he's never going. Ash is never going to say anything that he doesn't want to say. Mm. He didn't share that episode, so obviously we hit some form of nerve. <laughs> I'll text but, him. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I'll text him now. I've got his yeah, yeah, you've got it. Yeah. Mason's got his number. Yeah, but have you ever thought about doing a podcast? Ash, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you think that you would ever do a podcast? Is that within your scope of interest? I'm doing one right now. As in like you're hosting yeah. one? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, lo- I love a good chat. Mm-hmm. I love a good chat. Yeah. In fact, I um, I took my sisters away. We went away last weekend to Dalesford, and, um, which was super lovely. But one of my... One of my favourite things in the world is sit down and I think one of one of my sisters is more a deep talker than a deep thinker, mm-hmm. and deep talker because <laughs> we're having that. this chat around who's a, who's a caller and who's a texter and mm-hmm. all this sort of stuff and good um, quality banter, great banter, great banter. But I'm one of those people that will, I love to sit around and have a coffee and just talk about the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I love a conversation. Yeah. Will I ever produce my own? Podcast. I'm not going to say yeah. no. We'll just I mean, come never on thought just, about just it. Just come on here. You Regular chats. Yeah, yeah. Regular chats with the Gronks. What, what's your your go to form of c- creation or putting something out into the world? A medium like. Um, I love writing. Mm-hmm. Love copywriting. Um, I actually, I I do like Instagram for that. I feel like it it um, it challenges me. Well, I like challenging myself with it to go how how can I share something that I've learnt in a way that is different and how can I marry a great image with an insight? I like the creativity mm-hmm. of that. Um, and I love, I mean, by nature of branding, I love and, and copywriting, I love translating insights from a really juicy workshop into a narrative, a brand narrative that really um, or a set of values that really sticks and has teeth for an organisation. Coming up with a brand narrative is or a brand manifesto is um, is really quite, um, it's challenging but it's also really creatively rewarding, mm. especially when the client's like, oh, my God, God, wow, you know, like that really, I mean, we've never been able to articulate that before and now it makes us feel really valuable and special because that is us and we're not afraid to um, own that mm. now. So I, I do love doing that, mm. yeah. I just wanted to say thank you from our end because behind the scenes you've been very supportive and like some of the best guests we've had on this year has been thanks to you connecting the dots. Oh, I love it. Mm, very, love you're, it. you're very generous. I hope um, 2020 is not about giving less because you give us a lot and <laughs> yeah. we really appreciate it. So if you're cutting out your giving, yeah. go some, yeah, cut for, someone else out. From a taker. <laughs> from a taker. Well, I just want to say thanks it. for the air fresh <laughs> and the gold-plated straw. Uh, look, it was, a, it was just a, it was a raffle based on it chance. chance. <laughs> and you won it. So I'd love to take credit for that. Let's yeah. just hope uh, I don't come on next year with a uh, chipped tooth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. This is straw. <laughs> that would actually be a fun, there's, there's definitely some merch in that. Anyway, it's a daily talk show. Hi at thedailytalkshow.com uh, is the email address. Tomorrow uh, is uh, New Year's Eve and we've got uh, Dr. Jason 
Fox, who's going to be talking all about uh, choosing one word for the year instead of... Gronk it up. Yeah, mm, it's gonna instead be of doing a, a goal, just a single word. Amazing. And potentially he might be dressed as a wizard. So yeah. Stay tuned for that. See you guys. See you guys. Bye.